What up, what up, what up? Welcome to... Wow, you did that like pretty on cue, which you didn't even really know, which is amazing to me. <laughs> what up, what up? Welcome to another episode of the next episode, brought to you by G-Splash, the dopest podcast on earth. This, 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 this is the dope show. You know how we do, it's my boy Chris Bucky Watts in the building, and I'm your host Bradley Baxter. Today we're talking... What's up? That Mando, that Mando. <laughs> For those who don't know, that's The Mandalorian, a show on Disney+. Plus. This is where Chris usually chimes in with his Disney Plus advertisement <laughs> that we don't get paid for. Oh, right, yeah, Disney+. Plus. Thanks for signing up for Disney+, Plus right now, using code GSPLASH. It won't do anything for you, but maybe it'll make them interested. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, a lot to break down in this episode, uh, Chris. Uh, I think we should just jump right in. But before you do, actually, I do want to say this. Um... I do want to say that I actually love all the stuff that I get hit up about from people that listen to the show and have been following The Mandalorian and they hit me up and they're like, yo, we're about to watch Mandalorian and usually I've already seen it and it's only like Friday at 3 o'clock and I've already seen the episode so people are like, have you seen it yet? You watch this one at like 10 o'clock. You hit me up like... I woke up and popped my eyes open at 8 a.m. here, and you were like, it's so good. Yeah, you. I mean, it doesn't drop till 3 a.m. my time, but usually I, it depends on what's going on in my life, but I've, I was like, oh, I got to watch this one. Um, so again, I appreciate everybody who's hitting me up, friends, family, people listening to the show, you know, Chris and I both, I imagine, he, I'm speaking for both of us here, but uh, thank you for doing that. Like, it makes me feel good about Absolutely. the show that we do. And all of that, so I can't thank you guys enough. Putting a smile on my face. All right, but let's talk about Chris, the tragedy. Boom, boom. Bring the music I back. I can't wait. Uh, Chris, right now, this has 100% again on Rotten Tomatoes. It's two, two back to back. Uh, the episode is The Child Accompanies the Mandalorian to an Abandoned Ruin. I don't know if that's even remotely what happens in this thing obviously we knew they were going here so it's not i think this is more of a synopsis of not spoiling the previous episode because it definitely says the child sure. and not grogu um this was directed by you know i mean yeah you know they say that in the episode uh, robert rodriguez i know a surprise surprise the old robbie rod i mean he's famous for a lot of movies including spy kids uh, Dawn of the Dead. What's another Rob Rodriguez flick? Grindhouse. He did Planet yeah. Terror. Uh, he also, he did got, Sin, you know, he you know his stuff. Sin City. That's act. That is. What about the right. the spirit? Yes. Did he do the spirit too? I, no, that was Frank Miller. That actually, oh, he did Frank. The spirit, and it was hot trash. Good old straight, straight garbage. garbage. Uh, but yeah, very. I mean, They've been doing such a good job. We talk about this every week, I mm -hmm. feel like, because every week we like to highlight who the director is. But w what a great job and, and they do creatively that they can creative wise in the sense of like knowing the story, knowing the characters, knowing the aesthetic, knowing the feel like they can bring in any director they want. And that director is going to make an episode that feels like it fits with all the other right. ones. 
because of how well they have that creative tuned in. So a director can come and say, this is how my vision of how I want to see it come to life, but it is always going to fit in with everything. And the fact that, you know, you can get Carl Weathers, who I don't know what his other directing credits are, but then you can have him come in and you can have Robert Rodriguez come in and the episodes have a similar vibe. I will say that Robert Rodriguez does have a really cool way. He almost has that, um, what's that syndrome I call it? Who's that guy who, you know, he's a director and he just gets some of it. Oh, Zack Snyder, right? I would say that Robert Rodriguez isn't as as crazy, like, oh my God, up and down mm-hmm. as um, as him. But I would say that, that he one thing he specialized in these really cool shots. Right. And there were some framed shots in this episode that were like, damn it, that's a great framing. Like if you put the camera anywhere else, it would have had the same effect, but it wouldn't have really punched you in the gut as hard. Yeah. So we'll talk about I think that. too, uh, just to add on to what you're saying, I think it helps bringing in different directors when you have a guy like John Favreau who's writing it very notorious and accredited for his directing roles as well as um Dave Filoni like uh him you've got the knowledge and you've got so they have like them working together they have this idea and then they're it's almost like they bring it to these directors like this is the story I want you to tell through your vision staying in our yeah. our universe so they do i think they just do world. a good job of of that but i was actually surprised about hearing some of the mixed things um make some mixed reviews about this episode um spoilers going forward shocking um but there was a lot of stuff like i read you know the the stormtroopers are really make really dumb mistakes and then it's like the mandalorian was kept running back and forth and leaving like leaving stuff behind and being very forgetful and all over the place which yeah but it was it was a little frantic yeah which i think the episode kind of was maybe i don't know i there were a few things i think the jetpack thing him leaving it off to the side like that was somewhat weird or didn't seem like mandalorian like he manda would do that but still minor things to me i didn't i'm not like gonna pick apart this episode i think i i personally think this no episode no good. I, I think I think that there's, I think there is some 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 validity to those concerns. I think that it's no different than when you watch, for instance, when people say stormtroopers making mistakes. I don't think that's any different than any television show or movie you watch now, where the bad guys only take on the good guy one at a time. You know what I mean? Like there are multiple. Yeah, you yeah, go absolutely. through that whole episode. There are multiple times where a stormtrooper had a clear shot, but decided to run straight into the person instead of just pulling up and firing. Um, I think one thing though, I think this does him forgetting that thing. I think there are actually two actions that does. I think one action is that we're really used to stormtroopers being like these stupid dum dums, right. like they miss a lot. Like it's actually a joke that they can't hit anything. But there is something that I think it's because of that, because of the comic nature of mm-hmm. them. Um, I think that something's been lost in the Star Wars universe where we don't really see as viewers the Empire as a threat. Right. Like. Only an Empire Strikes Back when you're losing in the beginning and then you're losing kind of throughout it is that where you're like, oh, wow, okay, Darth Vader's obviously pretty intense and the Empire has some, you know, they have AT-ATs and they have some cool weaponry. But what's something I don't think we ever understand is the fact that, like, what made the Empire powerful was that they just had kind of overwhelming force. Like, they had these great big weapons. They had tons of stormtroopers they could just throw at any situation. And I think in this one, we're seeing is this idea of, you know, in that moment where he's where the Mandalorian has now met Boba Fett and realized Fennec's alive. So he's kind of in a compromised position with like, are you guys friendly? Are you not friendly? And then all of a sudden these drop ships full of troopers start appearing. I think there's a moment where it's like, if we don't move quickly, we're going to be overwhelmed. Right. 
So there's a little bit of forgetfulness. One other aspect I think that can forgive him, like the jetpack was right there. Turn around, grab your jetpack, throw on your back, and fly up there. Like, what are you doing running? Right. But I think that the way that I would justify that is that we're seeing him go and him transition through the show into becoming from this hardened warrior and this soft side that the child Grogu in this fatherly role that he's adapting and this soft spot the child is giving him. I think it's making him a little less rigid in his actions or in the things he would do and the way he thinks like in the first couple episodes of that show. And when you hear about his backstory and stuff like this is not a dude who panics or worries like he's just a stone cold killer. But now he's these things where he's not thinking things through because he's letting his emotions overwhelm him. And in that moment, he knew I've got to get to the kid. I I feel like I'm I'm in a weird spot here. I got to go. So he just started running. So should he have forgot the jetpack? Absolutely not. But he needed to, obviously, so that he couldn't make it in time. It's just part of the plot. But I think you could justify that he's probably a little off his game in these later seasons because you're seeing stuff like him chuckling or laughing yeah. or being I mean, like he, at the be- loving. And you don't see that At before. the beginning of this episode, you definitely see him finding Grogu very cute when he's like, Grogu. And then he's like, <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> like yeah. that whole thing at it's the like, beginning. Sure, you can use this. He just keeps yeah. calling him by his name and he... He just laughs about it that he finally knows him. He yeah. loves it. It's like, this is great entertainment. So I do agree there are definitely moments if you go through that episode where you're like, okay, okay. But then at the same time, I can, I can in my mind, justify what it would like to be panicked over what you consider your child being in danger. Right, 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 right. Um, well, I mean, what is there really else to say about this episode in the sense of the storyline? I mean, I guess we can get down to the, to the tragedy of, the, of it all. I mean, we get... I mean, mostly, if we said anything, it would just be that the ancient ruins are some sort of Jedi temple. We we had speculated, you and I, that it was going to be a Jedi temple, and it turns out to just be more like rock. a Jedi beacon, yeah. that when you sit on it, you connect with the Force and try and reach out to another yeah, Jedi. We, so we it's were like expect- a, a big telephone. You had mentioned that we expected like some kind of puzzle situation, which was not the case. Yeah, in Rebels, in Rebels, and I think there's a couple in Clone Wars, too. You know, ancient ancient Jedi temples have this nature of being almost like like real temples like you would see in a video game or Indiana Jones where you have to use the force to unlock them and they rise out of the ground and you go inside. This was more just a, a more like a seeing stone or a calling stone. Mm-hmm. So we just basically see the child be put on there. So he's out of the fight. And then we get into the real meat of the episode, right. which we can both agree is the introduction reintroduction of Boba Fett. Correct. Uh, I'm not, we're going to talk about this for a second. Uh, were you surprised to see what's her name come back? You know, I we talked about this last season. Um, Fennec, the fact Fennec, that yeah, right. she, that she came back, it's interesting. Okay, when we talked about this originally, and in that episode that she's in in season one, she gets killed, mm-hmm. right? And I said that was interesting because well, we saw the Spurs. What a strange the Spurs. Yeah, the Spurs come up and kneel down. We everybody said, "Oh, that's got to be Boba right. Fett." Turns out everyone's right, which now is confirmed. But for her to for them to cast her. And then kill her off in one episode. I thought that was interesting. She had a really successful long run on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. She's the voice of the original voice of Mulan. Like, she has a wonderful acting career. I think she was on ER for a while. Like, a great acting career. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? And I was like, that's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. She was a super successful run. So I'm like, that's such a weird thing to Mm -hmm. cast her. Give her this kind of interesting heart. Like, this is somebody that's really feared in the galaxy as an assassin. And then just wipe her out. Well, to be fair, though, I will say there was a trend at that time of... Sure. One, an, Hire a someone, big name actor would come in for that episode, and that was it. 
I mean, Horatio Sands. Yeah, in fact, we've seen it in this one. We talked about last yeah. time, um, or in the first episode of this season, uh, who was in that one? The very first episode, the Cyclops guy of season two, that's John Leguizamo, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. And yep. Michael Bean being in this last episode before this one. So I knew that, but I was kind of still like, man, I thought she had more to do with it. I did too. When she comes back, yes. I'll say this. I wasn't surprised. I was like, Boba Fett, oh, right. That the makes Spurs sense. Thing, yeah, yeah, he yeah. He, but I was kind of like, when I'm, and I also like how they do the writing because my question was, how the hell are you alive? Like you were shot dead. He came all the way back. You were still dead. And then she kind of... I don't know. I don't know how I felt about the idea of her being like, he fixed me and opening her abdomen and it's all machine parts. I'm kind of like, I don't think we've ever seen other than that Luke's hand. And we've never really seen that kind of organic machinery in somebody. Unless you go with like Maul's lower half being machine in rebels and clone wars. Or if you go with like grievous is technically, but like this one, I was like, well, that's a really not, I'm not going to say do sex machina, but I will say it was just interesting a way to bring her back. But also at the same time, I was like, it's freaking Star Wars and Boba Fett's one of the best there is. He healed himself from all those goddamn face burns. So sure, maybe he did. I mean, they just, and I kind of liked the way that they just kind of glossed over it real quick. Like they gave us the explanation without making this whole long story. Right. Like she was like, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, I got shot. I was Boba Fett saved me. Look, here's my abs. Look, I'm half robot. Boom. But it's kind of like, Okay, I mean, apparently everyone in oh, the Star Wars okay. world has some kind of engineering technology, like technical Yeah, you uh, put skill them in one set. of those tubes and they can heal. Yeah, they, they they, can everybody heal. has a different tech skill set that they can rebuild stuff for some reason. And it mostly has to do with robots yes. or machinery. I mean, everyone's fixing a ship left and right. I mean, I don't know. I would never well, we make can it. We fix that. We got parts. I would so never make it. It's it's totally fine. It's a different thing. You it's it's a world where we can buy yeah. into that. And we it's not like it's not like at the same time she opened that pouch up and we were like, that's impossible. We've never seen anything like that. Like we have. We've seen Luke's hand, so we know there is there is robot. Robotic the robotics part, are extremely yeah. advanced, and you can create cybernetic, you know, implants and stuff. So I, I was happy to see her back, though. I think it's cool to give like a super awesome assassin. Um, who's a sharpshooter, and then obviously pair her up with with Boba Fett and Bingo Bango. You're in trouble. Um, do you feel like this team up is an upgrade to Gina Carrero and uh, what's his name? Oh my gosh, and Carl, Carl Weathers. Weathers. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, I mean Gina Carrero was a was a shock trooper, so that's basically being a Navy SEAL of the rebellion. I just meant like I meant ca- um, the casting wise, not necessarily the character wise. Oh, casting wise. Do you feel like it was like they got kind of like it, it felt like a replacement? This was kind of a thing I, I was reading and I was like, I didn't really feel like that, but maybe some people do. Huh? No, I didn't feel like I that. Feel like it was I just like a it was different a crew. It was like a different team of different crew. Different. Yeah. It, could, it would have been just as likely that if they hadn't, if that arc on the prison ship episode, the prisoner mm-hmm. uh, from for season one, if that had gone differently, he could have been with a team of those people, mercenary, like. Mm-hmm criminals but no i I think he's gonna form different teams as he goes across the galaxy and i think the fact that the first one was with a good a good guy and kind of a middle guy and now you have him teaming up with a super assassin and the galaxy's most feared bounty hunter like it's a different kind of team but i like is he still technically a bounty hunter i don't know if he i mean here's the thing we want to talk about real quick i want to talk about two pieces (laughs) number one is his introduction like 
when that we saw we saw him in season two episode one he does the turnaround and we said oh my god that's Tam- and I, is it tamara morrison uh yes yes oh my god that's him what beautiful casting he played Django fett he does the voice of all the clones and then that's boba's a clone the timing that the age kind of works out well enough they did perfectly right but in this episode him turning around seeing his face you go wow guys that's boba fett how cool but the way that it wasn't hidden from you that like he literally said there's a ship coming turns around and then you see slave one cruise in like get out of town everyone's been waiting so long like to see that ship come yeah back. I, so that's, that's already freaking that exciting. was uh, uh, i will say a funny instance when i was watching it i was like that that's boba fett's ship and i was like i was like yeah. oh You're like oh my god there it they is just, they just look at that they, he it wasn't like that he showed up like they just flat out showed that ship and it was kind of like didn't make it hiding you, didn't do anything you, like you that you either know what that ship is or you don't <laughs> and that's it and i think that obviously jane that was Django's ship so in the, the prequels you get to see it in action in like the the battle with kenobi but um you know in the other movies you really only see slave one when it's as han solo's being loaded in and when it's taking off and flying away right. so in cloud city there's no instant this is the first time that, yeah, on cloud city on bespin so you don't see it really do much and you just know oh, that's a cool looking ship but then in this one you know to see it just cruising no boba fett's behind doing it you're like oh man this is gonna be super cool now the second part to the thing i was gonna say which was oh yeah uh, not necessarily the casting but the timing i was thinking about this a lot last night and i was like okay so he goes into the sarlacc pit he gets out loses the armor however like he's all burned up from the stomach ass in the sarlacc possibly because that dragon ate the sarlacc and that's how he got out okay cool like mm-hmm. i get that but then it hit me like a thunderbolt that like oh this is only five years after the empire fell so this is only he's only been out of the game like that that rift or that fight that took place where he fell on the skiff where he falls into the sarlacc that was only five years Mm -hmm. ago so okay the time it's not like he's been wandering the desert for 25 years like he's he's only had that armor for so long you know what i mean and like so but but one thing i will say that got me a little bit off on this is when he comes up to him he says you know i'm looking i'm for my armor and the mandalorian says i you're gonna have to take off my body or whatever and he says not your, not that, not your armor, my armor, the one you got from Cobb Vanth on Tatooine, to which I immediately thought, if he knew who had the armor, why hadn't he gone and got it yet? My answer to that would be like, that's why he was there. He Beca- was, he, he was just, just a little, because Cobb Vanth had only had it for like a year. So yeah, he probably found out, I'm, I'm just, this is the, the gloss over explanation, but that's why he was doing there when you, we see him. That meant he had just maybe gotten there. He's looking. For, he was like walking yeah. to be like, okay, I'm going to go get it. And then he sees this dude taking off his arm. He's like, son he, of a so bitch. He probably okay. went, into, See, yeah. I buy he went into town and was like, oh. Because the Jawas had it. So he probably didn't even know See, where it yeah. went. The Jaw- it's hiding on a so Jawa fortress. Uh, he probably went to the Jawas first and they told him like, no, we gave that to him. And then that's him getting to there and then finding out that the ship that he just saw leave has his armor. So he's like, oh, I just how, did that. How, okay. I think I the, the other things. question is, I was like, seeing that ship leave, how he tracked that is another story. Yeah, he would have had to track from ports. and But also at the same time, we're talking about the most feared bounty hunter in the gaps. Like he, he specializes in tracking people true, across true, true. space. So, but that, that said again, like, I'm curious. That's one thing I'm super curious about. Let's say, and not to get, I don't want to jump too far ahead. But I definitely want to get to a, a moment where if moving forward, they're all going to be teamed up 
is there going to be a conversation where the Mandalorian says, I've heard your name before? Or when they go to another, the next planet they go to or run across people, are people going to know who he is when now that they see his armor on him? Are they going to be like, oh shit, that's Boba Fett? Oh, that's a good question. I don't, um, I wouldn't, I don't think I thought of that. So I don't, I don't know. I guess that, yeah. I'm interested to see if the, if he did, in five years his name faded away, or if, it's still or if like, there are people who's gonna be like, oh, that's Slave One, like Boba Fett's in there. You yeah, know what I mean? Much like the Yoda, but it could so, be back on the whole Yoda thing, like. Yeah, and the Outer Rim planets, you really think he would because he was obviously the top mm. bounty hunter for the Fett or for the um, the Huts and stuff. So it's like, okay, maybe maybe if they're in the Outer Rim, maybe we'll see something. It'd be a nice little Easter egg if people were afraid of him now that he's back. But but let's let's dive deeper into that meaty part. Uh, of which part the part of just him being back i think that's what made the episode obviously special for i a think lot of viewers it made my bones shake. i think one thing that came full circle was him firing obviously the the cannon off his back like sure we've never, never seen, seen him do that. we I mean, saw we saw that, the this is what i mentioned it, yeah, this is what i mentioned earlier too i think that you know you get the moment where you can already tell that that he is a badass warrior. He's got that crazy crooked stick and he's just murking these yeah. dudes. And he's also, they're not painting. I wouldn't say they're painting him as a villain, but because in the movies in the regular star movies, he's a villain, but he's also a gun for hire or a bounty hunter. Right. So like, okay. But I think you can obviously tell that he's not a good guy in that fight sequence when he doesn't have the armor because he's very merciless. He's, like he's a he's business. Brutal. It's not he's just, business. it's not killing. He's like executing yeah. these dudes, which is like, okay, but cool. it's business because because they're stormtroopers. Fuck well, not only that, but he's like, <laughs> it's business, like kind of minded. Cause he's like, I'm yes. here for, I need my armor. Yeah. One, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to show him that I'm not giving it back. Whatever, whatever. But like, that was his mission to get his armor and anybody mm -hmm. who got in the way and of that. He's trading yeah. for it. Yeah. So, I'm, I got to keep you and that child safe because that's how it works. It's uh, that my payment is my armor back. Mm -hmm. So I liked that sequence. But then and again, like I said, touching on the original part, like he sees the ship he and, and you kind of knew it's not like I knew. I didn't think he was going to go into the Razor Crest and steal the armor and then leave. But it's like when they're getting surrounded, you already know what's going to happen. It's no different than Avengers Endgame, right? You're like, I know what's going to happen. He's going to come in and save the day. But that bomb drops. And when he lands behind that stormtrooper on that rock. Like I said earlier, this thing, the framing of that shot is so perfect. It's a little bit at a downward mm -hmm. angle. It's looking up and it's looking a little bit almost at a, it's at a little bit of a slant. So that stormtrooper, you actually feel like you're looking over his shoulder mm -hmm. and it's this perfectly standing like that shot right there. It gives Boba Fett so much more power than if he had just landed on the ground and been straight right. ahead. Like it makes him seem big. It makes him seem imposing. It's a, it's a splash. And at the same time, it makes it makes everybody go. It absolutely. It makes everybody go. Oh fuck! And like giving a character that power, I think that's something Robert Rodriguez does really well. He know you can tell by the visual placement of characters yeah. how important they are. And then Boba Boba Fett just goes to town, just murking dudes using every we we've never seen him use his weapons he's using freaking kneecap guns he's using his blasters he's using his rocket pack the dude's just crushing people with all of these things we've wanted to see for so long yeah no definitely my question to you though i, I couldn't help but kind of like laugh or enjoy like it was an enjoyment laugh it was like but to hear it's only been five years too at the same time is a little funny i mean he threw the armor on and it was very like maxed out if you will yeah oh he's got a little he's got a little tummy coming out from below it's he's a, been eating pretty good these it last definitely five looked years. a lot uh smaller on him in this episode 
I will say I think that's a cool creative choice. Not necessarily like working with. Uh, if you're gonna cast Tomorrow to come back, like you gotta understand that he's. It's been. It's been freaking even since he did Django Fett. Well, I don't know, twenty years. So I. But I will say I think the fact that they didn't say. I think it would have been easy to create me to say, okay, what we'll do is we'll put him in his jumpsuit that he wears usually, but he doesn't have the armor and he wears a robe and he's going to ditch that robe, put on the armor and he'll look just like he used to. Instead they said, no, have fuck put it. it on over the armor robe. is the armor is just pieces you put on. So he's wearing these sick black robes, but he's got, he almost looks like a Sith or a Jedi, which version I think was, of Boba which I think was on purpose. Robes I think out. it was on purpose. I do yeah. too. Yeah. And I think creatively that's a better choice. The fact that he wouldn't say, Oh, I need my jumpsuit so my armor fits. He goes, no, I just whatever I'm wearing now is fine as long as I have all my pieces, I can kick ass. It's just funny because it looked, it looked, it looked bigger on like it looked like too big for Timothy Oliphant, which I think it was. I would say that's another thing. Timothy, Timothy Oliphant's a taller guy, and I think they took that in consideration. Mm-hmm. He looked like this big lanky dude in this armor that didn't fit him. Where on Boba Fett, it looks like it's even though he's a little bit bigger in the midsection. <laughs> It looked like it fit him perfect. Like he was a, all of a sudden he was like a brick shit house. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? So I think it's interesting. I think it's and, and they're two wildly different styles of Mandalorian and what they mm-hmm. believe in and and just how they fight. So I think moving forward, obviously, we're going to get into the, the last half of the episode now. But moving forward, as far as their team up goes, that's going to be a, a dynamic. Well, there duo. is technically a rumor out that, that Bebo Fett's gonna, supposedly supposed to be getting his own season, which kind of seems funny that. I, I will jump into this a little bit later after this next topic, but uh, it seems a little weird that they would bring back and give um, Boba Fett a show when you have the Mandalorian. Unless it would be a show called the Mandalorian Boba Fett. You know what I mean? Yeah, but at the same time, it's like... Or the Fett Chronicles does or something that, does like that. Does that take away from the Mandalorian? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, why... This show is, this show is Disney's gold on Disney Plus right now. That's literally it there's not another original thing on disney plus other than mandalorian t- show wise yeah mean, you could argue i mean you could argue mickey that new mickey mouse cartoon um but really that's there's nothing else that's pe- high school musical the no musical one, the television yeah, no show one's watching that. no one's like oh i gotta get disney um, plus for that i i mean we know we're gonna get the obi-wan show um i think that I think there's room for it. I think what's great, I mean, that's how spinoffs exist, right? That's how spinoffs happen. And sometimes you get really successful ones. And I think it's all about the fact that we're focused on this Mandalorian is because he has a very unique story to tell. So I think if we focus on Boba Fett, there better be a good story to back up why he gets his own I think it makes What's he he doing? What's his motivation? What does he need? I think it makes more sense to do uh, Ahsoka Tano for the simple fact. See, that'd be fun too. I'd like that. Because then you got got a Mandalorian and you have a, a Jedi show and then you have like, OG Jedi show, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah, lots, lots to come. But another thing we talk about before, um, before we get out of here, and I got some other stuff I want to talk about. Uh, we see Grogu work himself out, and he just falls asleep. Gets a little sleepy before those dark troopers come for him. Oh, yeah, I forgot about the dark troopers, which is... I mean, that's also a great part in the show, right? You know, he, he's in this moment. He's calling out to the Force. He gets sleepy. And then we obviously talked about the issues not grabbing the jetpack, but the fact that, you know, they don't get there in time. We've all, as watching this show, we've all known there was going to come a point, if not multiple points, where Grogu gets captured. He just, the Mandalorian can't always swoop in and save him. Um, And so when the Dark Troopers, who are basically, and I didn't really know this because I know about Death Troopers. Are they from the, so, these Dark Troopers are are from, are they from 
the video games or are they from the animated stuff? I feel like they're from the video game. I, you know, that's funny. I don't know. I know Death Troopers are like the the most elite form of a stormtrooper, and they were all black. But these ones are these are battle droids that are in all black. So I I don't I haven't seen them. They must be from the game. From the game. Uh, somebody could comment and let us know. But the fact that they can Iron Man in and they get him away, I will say I was like, okay, they snatched him. We've all been waiting for it. that. Makes sense. You know, the, like the like I said, the Mandalorian can't always be there right. to save him. But then a cool part, you know, Slave One comes ripping in and you're like, oh, and part of me was like, oh, that's going to be really weird if he shoots down these things and saves the kid. But then the fact that he, you know, probably had the shot and was like, lay off. He's like, cool, I'll just follow him and see what's going on. And then he's even, I think that's what circles all the way back to what I said at the beginning. He pops out of those clouds and he sees that light carrier hovering above. And his only line, this is Boba Fett, who's like a freaking, you know, a badass who's done all kinds yeah, of crazy he says this line. he looks yeah. at it and says he says they're back and oh. it's like who's back the empire like it kind of leads into the idea of like the empire is frightening to most people i was thought i thought you're talking about a different line um the line where he he takes out he aims for a ship and then he he hits oh, the right. top ship and it knocks down the, the ship below and he's like great shot or whatever and he's like i was aiming for the other one i was aiming for the other one it's like like he's not perfect he's no, rusty. But it's like a, it, why would you why would you aim for the first one why wouldn't you aim for the furthest one maybe he didn't know because i think the the lower one is the one that had the troopers in it if you watch them take off the top one was empty ah uh, anyway so he was aiming for that one but whatever but that also leads us into the last thing we have to talk about obviously grogu's been captured the moff gideon thing saying oh yeah i'm gonna get you as a donor I, this is now. also, my this is also a callback to when leah uh, leia was captured sorry it looked sure. i mean it, but you see, you see Grogu kind of choking people, Kicking yeah, ass. choking people out or whatever, breaking shoulders, throwing people around. But then he gets sweepy again, and Moff Gideon's just here's my dark saber, isn't it, Nito? I'm gonna pull it out one more time, anyways. I'm gonna use you for your blood. That's great. That's the episode. But we do have to talk about the the real tragedy of this episode, and that is a well placed laser beam right into the razor crest oh i forgot about that gone gone and you know what it, it was poetically done too because it wasn't some big fanfare he didn't sacrifice the ship it wasn't a bomb to delay the empire no that light cruiser comes out of orbit knows exactly where the ship is because the tracker can tell that he's not on it or grogu and they just freaking Light boom up. blow it to fucking smithereens and I kept thinking, and I know I'm wrong, and I hope somebody listening will blow us up on any of our handles or whatnot and let me know, but I I don't, I can't in my mind recall a famous, like one of the quote-unquote famous ships ever being destroyed in Star Wars. Like, sure, your little, like, the Republic thing gets destroyed, or like, oh no, this little, but like, the Millennium Falcon never gets blown up. Right. Luke's X-Wing doesn't get blown up. Like, the Razor, like, then the Razor Crest comes on as another marquee big-name ship. A ghost from Rebels doesn't get blown up. Even that little shitty cargo one that Anakin used in Clone Wars, that doesn't get blown up. This is the first one that's like a name marquee ship, so much so it's almost a character that gets blown to smithereens. That's a good point. I didn't even think of that, but you're absolutely right. Even bad ships. Darth Vader's TIE fighter gets knocked off its axis and spins out into space, but it doesn't blow up. The only other thing I can think of is the Death Star. That, the yeah, only other named could... vehicle that blows up is the Death Star. That was what I was going to say. And I guess Skywalker Ranch, and oh, oh I guess Poe's Black X-wing does too. But that, it was like one. It wasn't like one movie though. Yeah, but it's like 
the razor crest was such an integral piece and but and then we got to talk about one i know we're pushing it everybody just hang in with me because <laughs> i'm i understand how strong beskar is i'm 100 percent okay with him sifting through that crater and pulling up the the spear he just got in the last episode oh, yeah. pure beskar it's a spear but I, as soon as he was walking the rubble i said this motherfucker better not find that ball and sure shit he reaches down to the rubble and he pulls out that little ball that grogu's always playing with i said that ship got blown to goddamn kingdom come. You wouldn't be able to find anything. Yet you can find a thing the size of a ping pong ball. No, no have chance. you noticed that it looks like the Death Star? It does a little bit. It's got like the yeah. lines on it and stuff. Anyways, I just think I think that it's I was like, I get it, and it's important because he'll be able to give that ball to him later. As he's dying his breath, he'll hand it to him. Whatever. But I was like, come on, there's no way. Like, maybe if we went into his helmet, if there had been a shot of his helmet with his scanner on, looking at the rebel, rubble, and all of a sudden there's a little circle, and he reached down and grabbed it, okay. But I can't buy that that thing just had... That thing would have shot 45 miles. I mean, at this point, he should have that on him at all times. It shouldn't even be on. Just keep it with you. Yeah. Just make a keychain out of it, hook it to your armor. You don't need it. You can, it's you don't need the ball to make the... Another run, another thing that's ticky-tacky. But all in all, Chris, Splash Asher, Matt, for the episode... Oh, it's a splash. I've never. It, it's probably my favorite moment in TV history. Oh wow! Probably my favorite episode of any show in TV history. I've been waiting my whole life to see Boba Fett come back in a real way, in an authentic way, and it happened, and it delivered. Uh, I'm gonna give it a splash as well. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought you're like it's a no, man for I, me. I, it's a I, man. I was like another one. It was back to back banger episodes. I'm all for it. Uh, one more thing I want to talk about. This is gonna be back. I feel like our next episode is turning a little political, which. I never yes. saw coming, I'll say that. But uh, so I just found out, I didn't know this. I Someone asked me, actually, my friend asked me, I know who asked me. As she was like, is, is Pedro Pascal always in the thing? And I was like, oh, yeah, like he's always in it, da 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 Hell no, he's barely ever in it. He, so, yeah, I found out he's barely ever in it. And in, in the first season, he was really only on set in, uh, the day that they were going to, he took the helmet off at the, like last episode or whatever second to last episode but then obviously we've talked about the gina uh carano tweets and republican stuff and all that but it turns out pedro there's some little bit drama behind the scenes this is what i'm hearing is that uh there's talks about having pedro pascal like leave the show or not be on set because he has a different i don't know if it's different views or he's like he feels like an outcast, I guess, when he's on set. And that's because John Favreau, Gina Carano, Vince Vaughn, like, have been very vocal about their political beliefs. And I think, I, don't, I mean, have you heard any of this? This, is, this was like, it kind of blew my mind. Like, he was on set one day and they told him to leave. Yeah, there was a big, this was something that was a rumor that was going around pretty heavy at the end of last season. Um, Observer has a great article titled, No, Pedro Pascal isn't leaving the Mandalorian anytime mm -hmm. soon. And you can find a bunch about talking about how there was there was this, uh, all of it's a rumor, basically. And all of this tension and friction, there's nothing behind it for him. He, he can't talk more and praise more about how much he likes to be a part of it and all this stuff. So it, it, I don't know if those rumors are, anything else new as those but if you just start looking around like i'm doing as we speak it's all no don't listen to so that. that's what i thought at first but it's there's been other things that have come out that's been like yeah it's actually pretty pretty hectic over there 
it's been like confirmed by an unknown source. So it, from this, well, I would love, and our fans would love any links or yeah, I can, any kind to these unsubstantiated. So um, here, I got you right now. Grace Randolph runs this beyond the trailer YouTube channel. She's written comic books. Uh, she's in the scene. She's been in, she was in, I think, Zombieland 2. She does a, she, she has a show. She has a good YouTube channel. I definitely listen to it. But um, she's com- somewhat confirmed. I think she has a couple of insider tips or whatever. I think for me, I, what I found f- interesting and funny, or not, I don't even know if funny is the right word, about this was that it's like a very opposite of what we're used to hearing in the sense of like a, a Republican clique is like, cancel that dude. Like, but not really saying cancel him. He's just like, doesn't feel comfortable. And there's like a weird thing about him being on set and he's just doing these voiceovers. So, which makes like being on set and doing the voiceover, like much like a Roger Rabbit situation, I think is important. And I think it adds to it. Whether or not he wants to be in the suit is another conversation. I don't know that. Seems interesting to me is that you got like Gina Carano and Vince Vaughn who are very vocal about what they believe or whatever their beliefs, which is fine, which is great. I don't think cancel culture is the answer, but your star show is like not, he's in this weird situation. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I'm looking at a quote right now. This is from five days ago from an article in Deseret News. Uh, about him just talking about the role being challenging in the sense that he said, quote, I'm not even sure if I would be able to do it if it weren't for the amount of direct experience that I've had with being on stage to understand how to posture yourself, how to physically frame yourself into something, and to tell a story with a gesture, with a stance, or with a very, very specific vocal intonation, he said. Um, He said working with Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni is amazing and – he gets to learn more about the role and how to portray the character in a great way. And then it comes into drama over the summer. Rumors popped over the summer that Pascal had left the Mandalorian. Grace Randolph, uh, who reported for Star Wars Rumors, said, who reported on Star Wars Rumors, said that he left the show after he had numerous disagreements with the creative team and went to the studio behind their backs to plead his case, which allegedly resulted in the former Game of Thrones star being given his marching orders. According to the... According to We Got This Covered. But then it goes on to say this year he has... Posted on social media pra- uh, praising Ludwig Guarnason, uh, talking about uh, Cara Dune. Like he seems like he's super behind it. So basically, it's like Disney. Yeah, you guys, Pedro. Like you got to fix this. We can't. They're like tough titties. Get in line. If that's even what happened, who knows? I don't know. I guess it was. Uh, I was a little disappointed to hear that he wasn't more involved, and he's just. And someone pointed out there's a scene where it looks like his vocals are off in one scene. I bet it's hard to time up like that. You know, that armor's heavy, and I bet it is difficult to time up the gestures and stuff. I guess it's mostly it, in close-up shots that but it's I guess him, it's, but uh, farther stuff, it's the other it, guy. Which is my point, though. Like, you not being on set to do voiceover work is, in a live-action scenario, seems... I mean, I get stunts or stunts or stunts. That's a different topic, different topic altogether. But, like, the main character is not on the set. Seems weird. Yeah, well, and it's funny. He talks about he has a lot of scheduling conflicts, too, that made it actually easier for him to go and do other projects while still doing The Mandalorian. And in this article, we got this cover wall that was quoted from. It actually says Randolph usually has a decent track record when it comes to the inside scoop on major franchise projects, but this one seems far-fetched, especially with the fact that 
from the very beginning of the first talks of the Mandalorian when Pedro Pascal signed on, it was very clear that he would always have a helmet on. Yeah. Interesting. It's interesting to see what comes up in like these big franchises. I mean, every single giant show and giant movie has things that freaking rub or people that rub. So you never know. Yeah, I just found it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think that, you know, you always hear these stories about the cast loves each other. They're always hanging out and blah, blah, blah. The Avengers, Full House. Well, actually, Full House was a mess. But, uh, you know, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> like, you always hear these stories about cast being together and like full, uh, not Full House. Fresh Prince is like, oh, they love everybody, but Aunt Viv. There's always like the one person who like, now we don't like that person. Or like. There's this weird chemistry. If there's something going on where it's like, we don't want him on the set because we don't like him, that's something else. I think that needs to be figured out. And if it's for if it's for political stuff or p- beliefs or outcasting somebody, I don't think that's the way to go. I don't care who you are. Like put that shit aside, do your job, go to work. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have some. Go and have fun. Yeah. With it. Like don't. Do what you do. Like, don't do something because you because you feel like you have to or you're not having fun with it. It's kind of like uh, an article I read about, I believe her name is Jenny Slate. Yeah, Jenny Slate, the comedian. Yeah, she was on SNL for like a year and she like... <laughs> yeah, she dropped the F-bomb in her first sketch. Yeah, but she didn't get... And uh, there was like a bunch of rumors that she got fired for that. But like, uh, there's actually a, a really... There's a whole book about the stories behind SNL, which is another topic, but... People, when they get fired from SNL, they usually don't know why. Like a majority, like of big names. You don't really get an extra interview. You just get. You don't even gone. get told that you're gone. Like yeah. Adam Sandler, uh, Chris Farley, Norm Macdonald. Uh, what? Yeah, that '90s purge. Chris Rock went out in that one. Nah, there's there's but there's even more. There's like uh, Chris Parnt like. Was it Chris Parnes? How about Chris Parnell? Parnell, yes. He got fired and then rehired and then fired again. Yeah, wouldn't that be weird, though, if you got fired from any other job? Like, if you worked at McDonald's and you were fired and you found out somewhere else, you'd be like, oh, all right. And you show up to work. I mean, how long would it take before someone's like, hey, you actually don't work here anymore? Yeah, looking, I'm looking at an article the Washington Post did about the weird ways people have been fired, and it's mostly... They don't get an excuse. What they do is they don't get their contract renewed. Like you finish your season, you say, thank you so much. And they say, okay, see you next season. And then your agent gets called or doesn't or gets called basically saying they're not going to review the contract and or renew for the next year. And boom, it's done. It's like, that's it. Like Slate called her agent. Nobody knew what she didn't know why. Taryn Killam had one more year left and they said, we're not going to renew your contract. Yeah. Jay Farrow did the same thing. Sarah Silverman. It's crazy. It's just the way they just say, okay, cool. Your thing's up. Bye. Or like you had one more year on it and they're just like, nah, <laughs> don't worry about it. Weird, weird stuff. Let us know your thoughts on the tragedy though. I always love hearing everyone's feedback. Uh, again, thank you so much for reaching out to us or me or Chris or whoever with questions and interests and whether or not we like this episode. I always tell, I think people are starting to get mad because I'm always like, when they ask me, oh, what'd you think of the show? I'm always like, oh, you got to download the podcast. <laughs> so I don't know how people really feel when I say that, but that's how it is. I like to keep my stuff all in one area. Get the juice. I like the jelly in the one donut. You know what I mean? 
Gotta get that jelly in them donies. <laughs> Another long episode of the next episode. Chris, uh, tomorrow, or yeah, I guess it's tomorrow. Technically, we will be dropping the worst, or what is it? What do we do? We did a, a classic Christmas movie that we hate, that gets played every year. Chris has one. I have one. We're going to break it down. We also have, we're probably going to get an extensive long talk on a topic in our news category. So stick around for that, which is a, a banger. That's for sure. Which I'm excited to talk about oh, yeah. and kind of see some stuff with actually, you know, to bring it back to star Wars, apparently Steven Spielberg and George Lucas both said that this kind of thing would happen uh, seven years ago. Interesting. So hmm. we'll talk about it in our episode, uh, G splash regular episode. So check that out tomorrow. And then following this is our last episode where we talked uh, Christmas Chronicles. Yeah. Boy, what a stinky. Boy, what a stinker, but definitely worth a listen. Definitely. Uh, please send over your questions or concerns. You can hit us up in the email, the text, the uh, Instagram. Our, our email address is gsplashbc at gmail.com. And then gsplashpodcast at Instagram. If you have our numbers, hit us up. Let us know what you th- your thoughts are on the tragedy. What do you think is going to happen? Do we, Chris, do you have an idea of what you think is going to happen with Rogu? I have no while idea. He's being captured? I mean, they're going to take his blood for the cloning of either Snoke or Palpatine. That's my theory, but who knows? You heard the first take here, baby. That's the juice. I'm Bradley Bax with my man, Chris Bucky Watts. This is the next episode. Peace.